Well, thank you guys. Wonderful job. The truth of that song kind of gets to you, uh, if you uh, know what I mean. We serve a God of endless worth. Amen? A Savior who's endlessly worthy to be praised. I was looking at the choir this morning and, and walking around talking to you today. <clears throat> and I know some of you, or many of you, are suffering through hardship right now, family trials, money trials, loss, illness, questions that aren't answered. In fact, one lady uh, up here singing had a tree fall on her house yesterday, a big tree, uh, destroyed both of their cars and uh, destroyed their house. They're out of their house now with no power, no water, no gas, living somewhere else while this all gets sorted out. Uh, just before service, she was in the old library on the phone with insurance. Um, uh, all of us, all of us are bearing some burden. Yet we're here, and in that moment of praise, if you looked on the faces up here, if you looked on the faces out there, you could see that moment of worship take hold. You could see that something just sink in, that the Lord Jesus, who has died and has risen and who reigns now, is endlessly, always, forever worthy of our praise. Something about him, when a tree falls on your house or you, the funeral is just, you can taste it still in your memory. When, when it's so fresh and the pain is cutting, there is something about the exalted Christ that just overwhelms it, stands above it, and that in all things, he is preeminent. He's better, he's greater, he's stronger, he is over. Today we've had a chance to glimpse that just for a moment in this place. Thank you, choir, <clears throat> for leading us today and for that truth. A thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more. I think the opening line of that, and I'm terrible with lines, but anyway... One of the opening lines said something like, uh, creation can't find the words or creation struggles to find the words uh, to praise you, but that joy is what? Mine. And that's our joy today. We approach this altar today for something very special. And even though we do this from time to time, don't lose the weight of this moment don't lose what we've been invited into today. The Lord Jesus left with his followers uh, this special act to remember, not just with the mind, but to remember with our faculties, to, to take the bread, which represents the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, crushed and broken for us. Uh, it's always meaningful to me that when we take that bread, we put it in our teeth, the crushing there that takes place reminds me that I played a part in the breaking of the body of the Lord Jesus. That it was my sin that bore him up to the cross there. And it was my benefit that I received because of what he suffered for me. When I take into myself the, the, the cup that represents the blood, the shed, the spilled blood, of the Lord Jesus. It reminds me that I am a partaker of grace, that the Lord Jesus spilled his blood so that this could be a real and lasting part of who I am, who he has made me to be. And we're going to do that 
in just a moment. Our task today is a, a task of remembering. And in fact, God has given us something that we could never forget. We'll read today from Luke chapter 23 and then Mark chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to those passages. If you don't have your Bible, these words will be on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word just for you. And so we have those on the table in the back as you leave. They're laid out there just for you. They're very nice, uh, good copies of Scripture. And we want you to have that. There's no cost to you at all. Uh, we just don't want you to, to leave here without God's Word in your life, okay? And so take that if you need it. Jesus, who was born of a virgin and walked the dirt of this place, he did not have to. He had friends. He suffered loss and betrayal. He went to a cross and gave his life there. He was crucified by Romans and Jews alike. Those who should have accepted him rejected him. Those he came to save nailed him to a tree. And in Luke chapter 23, the Bible starts by telling us that two others, verse 32, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, they, there they crucified him and the criminals. One on his right and one on his left. The word crucify really just sums up and encapsulates neatly in one little word, encapsulates an agonizing experience. We won't go all together into, but uh, I want you to know today as we go to this table that the Lord Jesus and that what he did on your behalf was an excruciating, painful, lengthy choice that he made for you and me. And there they crucified him right between two criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they cast lots to divide his garments. Mark chapter 15, beginning in verse 33. <clears throat> and when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. It should not have been this way, okay? This was in the middle of the day. But <clears throat> when Jesus is hanging there on the cross at the sixth hour, something happens. Some think this is a reference back to Amos, a, a prophecy from the minor prophet Amos that this would happen. But it did happen. The darkness was over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. Here's what he said. Eloi, Eloi. Those are names for God. You've heard Elohim, Elohim, right? Uh, this is a, 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 a piece of that. Eloi, Eloi, God, God. Lemma sabachthani. Lemma is just uh, Aramaic for why. Simple word, why. Sabachthani is, is a mixture of Aramaic and an old Jewish word, and it just means you left me. It's really a statement. Poses a question here. God. God, why you left me? Here's what the Bible, the English Bible interprets that as. 
which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled the sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and take him down. Maybe this is mocking, you know. And Jesus uttered a loud cry. What kind of cry did he utter? A loud cry. And breathed his last. Another text says, yielded up his spirit. Uh, This is significant uh, to to remind us that Jesus uh, did not just die. He was not just put there and hammered there and, 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 and fell victim to circumstances. No, Jesus breathed his last or else you might say he yielded up his spirit. Who's in control? Even on the cross, it's the Lord Jesus. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You may know about this curtain, a curtain that separated man from the presence of God. The wickedness of man could not enter into the holy place. That curtain, that heavy, huge curtain was there to keep that from happening. And that curtain at that moment was torn in two. How? From top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. So what's so, so unforgettable about the cross? Let's look at three things today as we prepare to take these elements. The first is this. It's unforgettable that Jesus chose us. It is unforgettable that Jesus chose us. The crucifixion account is full of clues. Uh, It's full of clues that Jesus had the power to leave the cross. That in fact, all that he did that day was of his own choice, volition, will, and plan. That he intended for this to happen. Here's how we know. There's an earthquake recorded in another gospel that goes along with this darkness, this miraculous darkness and an earthquake. The the ground shakes as Jesus is being crucified. That ought to be a sign, don't you think? If you're a Roman soldier and the ground shakes and darkness comes, the last thing you ought to be doing next is casting lots for the clothes of Jesus. But they didn't get it. Jesus was in control. He was very God eternal. The curtain of the temple split in two, maybe as a part of that earthquake there, split in two from top to bottom. Jesus himself declares that no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Do you remember that in the gospel of John? He says, I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This is no victim on the cross. This is the Lord Jesus. And when he looked out at the pain that he was going to suffer, unimaginable, unspeakable pain. And then on the other side of the equation, he saw you and me. He chose us. He chose to endure that moment by moment by moment. The Bible says, the words of Jesus says, do do you think that I cannot call on my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels with regard to the crucifixion. At any moment, Let us see if Elijah will come and get him. Every drop of 
spit. Every glance at his suffering mother at the foot of the cross. And all that that meant for him. Oh, what an easy, what an easy choice. What a justifiable choice. What a righteous choice that would have been. But this Jesus, who was in control the whole time, he chose you and me. That ought to be unforgettable to us today. You see, power and suffering don't go together, do they? Power, if we can help it, power and suffering do not go together. If you want to see an example of this, go ride an airplane. I was riding an airplane uh, from Uganda with Stan. We were squeezed back in the back cheap seats, you know what I mean? You're sitting there and squeezed in there and you're holding your knees together. Your thighs are like trembling from, from trying to hold them together, not to mess with other people. I actually fell asleep for just a minute and apparently snored. And the girl next to me said, shh, just like that. <laughs> I thought, mercy. Anyway, you're uncomfortable. You're hot. You look up ahead, though, in that transatlantic flight, and up ahead you could see what, what do they call it, first class, business class. I don't know. This wasn't just the wide seats. It was sleeper compartments where the people could, like, lay down or something. There we are squeezed back there. Who are those people? Those are the people who've got the money, who've got the power. See, power and suffering do not go hand in hand. When we have power, when we have money, when we have influence, we use that to alleviate suffering. The Lord Jesus made an opposite choice here. It is not so with God. He who had all power and possessed it to the end and into eternity, the Lord Jesus, he chose this suffering. You see, when Jesus was crucified, and when he was in the garden, and when he was before Herod and Pilate, and when he was on the cross, he was not pinned there by those nails. He chose to give himself to that cruel agony, and he did it for you, and he did it for me. We ought to be amazed at this unforgettable act. But secondly, it's unforgettable how Jesus suffered for us, how Jesus suffered for us. Something stands out to me in verse 34. Notice this. Sometimes we skip over this, but Jesus cried out, the Bible says. The Bible could have said he, he said or he spoke, but he cried out, and he did so with a loud voice. It was probably not polished like we heard up here today and just on pitch and, and rounded off. This was probably a, a, a cry of agony and of betrayal, he cried out with a loud voice. There's pain in this. There's suffering there in this cry from the cross. And there's not only suffering in its nature, there is suffering in its content. He cries out, God, God, why you left me? You left me, God. It's unforgettable how Jesus suffered for us. Why did God leave Jesus, so to speak? Why did Jesus say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Was it because that this wasn't part of the plan? No, this was part of the plan. God did not betray Jesus in that way. God, Jesus wasn't surprised by this. But in that very moment, a transaction took place, an exchange whereby the sin of the whole world, of me and you, 
our sinfulness was transferred to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Elsewhere in Scripture, the Bible will say that, that we're forgiven uh, uh, all of our sins and the legal demand uh, that we were to account for because God nailed it to the cross. Our sin was transferred to the Lord Jesus. And at the same time, momentarily, in that very moment, the righteousness of Christ was made available. It was transferred to those who would receive him, to you and me. Sinners became saved, and the Savior became sin right up on that cross. And in that moment, the God who would, would, there was a curtain up who would not tolerate the presence of sin refused in his righteousness to tolerate the presence of his son who became sin for us. Jesus felt that. You've never felt an emptiness of God. Even in your pre-saved, even in your unregenerate condition, we have never known the vacancy of God like Jesus knew in that moment. And the pain was unbearable on his body and the loss was there of friends and family and the betrayal was there of one of his disciples, more than one of his disciples. All that pain rested on him. But when God turned his face away, Jesus cried out in suffering for you and me. The Bible says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. You can hear it in this cry. You know that, you know that how that goes. You hear your kid crying. Sometimes you can hear them in another room and you know they're just being a wimp, right? They're crying about nothing, right? They slit their arm or something, who cares, right? No, just... <laughs> But you can tell when it's a, a feigned cry or when it's um, not serious or when they just want mommy to come in and rub their head or something. And you can tell in their voice and the nature of it when something is badly wrong. That happened to me one day. I heard, heard Jackson fall down the stairs when he was a little guy. And I could hear in his voice that, I mean, that something had really uh, happened to him. This happened to me and Eric when we were young married. We were painting the new nursery for the new baby. We were in there, and we had plastic on the ground, and I said, hey, Erica, you've gotten off the plastic, you know? My sweet wife, Erica, said, I'm not the one that needs that plastic. <laughs> you are. I said, okay, then. A few minutes later, I heard the cry, right? I tumble, tumble, the whole gallon of paint all over the carpet, right? Not on the plastic, y'all, on the carpet. But I, I could hear it, and in her voice, I could hear this, this lasting pain, this need for help. I mean, it just it could hardly get it out. It was just a breathless pain in that moment. And I came in, and I said, honey, I told you. No, just kidding. <laughs> but you can hear it, can't you? And, and friends, you can, you've got to hear it here. You've got to hear it in the cry of the Lord Jesus. And when we hear Jesus cry from the cross, I want you to never forget that is a cry of love. The, de the depth of his suffering is the depth of his love for us, especially with the background that he could have got down and been done 
At every moment, he continued to choose us. The unspeakable suffering of the cross is a reflection of Jesus' deep longing for you and me to be set free from sin and brought near to God. If we enjoy that today, if we can claim that in our lives today, it's because the suffering of the cross of Calvary. But lastly, it's unforgettable what Jesus gave to us. What happened, you know this, the temple curtain was torn into two. Into. It's significant because the, the way is now open to God. It's symbolic. Isn't God interesting? I mean, isn't it to symbolize that for us, to, to paint that picture for us, to, to leave that in our hearts? The temple was torn in two, and it was done so from top to bottom. Heaven initiated what happened on Calvary that day. It was torn by God. It, it, it was activated by th this God-man who was sent from eternity. He gave his life on the cross and would be returning to his throne. It was split from top to bottom. When we could not do it, God did it. He did it from right on top. He, he gave us access and embrace in the throne room of heaven. The instant sin is paid for, as soon as the transfer is complete to the spotless Lamb of God, here it goes from top to bottom. Hebrews 6 says this, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever. There is a picture that has captured my attention this week. I want to show you. I hope it comes on the screen okay enough for you to see. Someone sent this to me uh, this week, and it's um, purported to be a, a picture of a, the evacuation of the Covenant School in Nashville. I did not take this picture, so I don't know 100% that that's what that is, but it was said to be on the news service that, that had it. This little girl looking out the window, having endured that pain, with um, agony on her face, confusion and questions. Her life will be changed forever from what she heard and saw and lost on that day as she's riding home. It's a painful picture. If you've heard much about this story, uh, it has probably sat with you this week. But she's on the way, praise God, to be reunited at some other location with her family and no doubt, when mom and dad, who are there waiting for her at some parking lot, some church fellowship hall, something somewhere, that those parents are going to scoop her up and, and embrace her like they've never before, for longer than they've ever done before. They, they won't be able to, to squeeze her hard enough to express the gratitude of this reunion that somehow has been, uh, been made available to them. The next picture is of two guys, and, and I know there are many more than this, who become to be known as heroes, who made this reunion available. Because they went into this threat, this pain, this hard place, they eliminated the threat, 
They sent her home. Listen, here's what I want you to know. The threat and the danger that they entered into was not their danger. It was not of their making. They weren't by, by, by circumstance to be victim of it, but they went in there to a danger that did not belong to them so that she could go home and be reunited with parents in a situation that ought not to have belonged to her. And it left undone the picture that we saw, as sad as it was, of that little girl going to her parents would not be available to us today except for these guys who went in and did the unthinkable, a pain, a danger that was not theirs. The Lord Jesus did this for you and me, and you know he did. It is unforgettable what Jesus gave us. Are you happy you're reunited with God today? Are you glad that you're not an alien and an enemy to God? Are you glad you don't live in darkness as an outsider with God on the inside? Are you glad that you can approach the throne of grace with confidence and find help in a time of need and fatherhood upon that throne of power? Are you glad that the Lord will call you and scoop you and embrace you as a son or a daughter on this day? It happened only because the Lord Jesus rushed into a danger that did not belong to him and bore a sin that was never his so that you could have a righteousness that was never to be yours. We can praise God for that. It's unforgettable what Jesus gave us. Jesus' death alone is what grants us entrance into the presence of God. Now, and forevermore. Instead of longing for God from the outside, we can be fully united with him as a father and a friend irrevocably, and that's because of Jesus. So today is a day when we resolve in our hearts once again that we will not forget this Savior. We won't do it. We won't forget him in our memory. We won't overlook him in our hearts and we won't forsake him with our lives. And that's what we're here for. In just a moment, uh, we're going to initiate this. A few notes to, to give you today as we go. This is open to Christians whose saving faith is in Jesus Christ. You don't have to be of this church or this denomination of churches. But you do have to be a Christian who's placed your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible admonishes us to examine ourselves before we do this. It tells us that whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And so today, we're going to have a moment of self-examination, of prayerfulness, of repentance. If you need to repent from sin, of turning to God, if you need to turn to God, and ultimately, if your heart is in a condition that will not allow you to repent, that will not allow you to examine yourself, that will not allow you to submit to God, then this is not for you on this day. If you choose to abstain, that's okay. No one's going to be looking around and judging you. We expect that, and we know that there will be those who don't partake on this Sunday morning. We'll take it on our own. We'll ask you to come up to one of these three tables and take both uh, the bread and the cup back to your seat. And uh, when you're ready, when it's time for you, uh, you take 
this on your own. You can gather up your family and friends around you, have a time of prayer. Listen, there's no pattern to this. Yeah, I want you to have freedom to go back. If you need to have a time of prayer out loud with each other, if you need to go and ask somebody for forgiveness right now in this room that you know you've done wrong, that you, that you do it. Uh, if you want to get your friends or just those sitting around you, if you want to do this alone, do it as you feel free, okay? If you want to, for parents uh, who are thinking about their children, you use your best wisdom on whether or not it's time for your children to participate in this. And if you see someone needing help near you, if you'll think about maybe getting theirs for them and bringing it back, a senior adult or someone who just needs a little help, don't be afraid to just ask. Uh, we have baskets here and here and in the lobby for your cups once you're finished, okay? And so I'm gonna ask our musicians to come back up and I'm gonna pray for us a prayer of personal preparation. And I hope you'll do the same thing. And after that, uh, we'll receive the elements. If you'll come out on the right side or come around to the right side and go back in on your left. Nope, come out on your left. <laughs> come out on your left, go back in on your right. Same here and same here, all right? Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we can never have the words. Lord, we don't possess the righteousness. There's not enough goodness that we would ever on our own be worthy of this moment. But Father, through Jesus, we have the righteousness of Christ. And we can ask for forgiveness from sin. And so, Lord, at this very moment, I do that. Lord, I repent of my sin. I know there are places in my heart that need cleansing, God. You have the cleansing power that I need. I don't want to just be forgiven from sin in this moment. Lord, I want to turn from that sin. And I ask you in your power to deliver me out of sin. I want to approach this table, Lord, in all worthiness as you make me able. Father, I'm amazed that one who never had to even leave heaven came to my rescue. And at great, great cost to himself, provided whatever what I could never achieve on my own. Lord, we thank you for that. Help us in this moment. Holy Spirit, help us to know what we're doing. Help us to appreciate and in, in a new way, to value in a new way the weight of what it means to follow an unforgettable Savior. We love you and we thank you for this. Be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand, and when you're ready, make your way down. You know, the Bible says that two things that I always like to read at the end of our Lord's Supper service. The Bible says that when they had sung a hymn at the first instance of the Lord's Supper, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Later on, Jesus would be arrested there. So before we leave today, we'll sing a hymn just like they did on that day. Luke 24 records that after the crucifixion and burial of Jesus, it tells us this, but on the first day of the week, 
At early dawn, they went to the tomb, and they found the stone rolled away. Two men stood by them in dazzling apparel and said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. And so I hope that as we leave here today, that your eyes will be on the first day of the week, that your eyes will be toward this resurrection celebration that we're going to be together for next Sunday. Come ready, and let's come in victory, okay?